Vancouver Tech Podcast. My name is James. And I'm Drew. Hello, Drew. Hi, James. So if people are listening for the first time, mm-hmm. they may have found us through our new syndication on Betakit. Betakit. So I wanted to, I've been meaning to call you out on that a little bit. Who says yeah. Betakit? Come on. Uh, my European parents. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I actually switch it up. Uh, just like uh, Susi and Susa. Oh, yeah. Ubuntu or Ubuntu. I say Ubuntu. Yeah. So uh, what's something else that goes crazy? Like, or GIF or GIF. I mm-hmm. say GIF because graphics. But okay. I say GIF because, you know. Trolling. Giraffe. <laughs> oh, no, because, giraffe. It, because it's G and then an I. Mm. But also because that's what it, that's what the original author what intended it given? to be. What about given? Given Just the word. Just a Jiven? Switch to Jiven? <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's a, a hard and fast rule that is always applicable, but in the mm. case of GIF, um, you know, I don't really care. You could say yeah. GIF and I still know what you mean. Yeah. You could say yeah. GIF and you still know what or I mean. Or beta so. and beta. Yeah. On yeah. the other hand, though, I do prefer conventions like always calling um, routes routes and not calling them routes because that can get yes. confusing, especially, you know, if you're talking about I was in the route of my yes. app, or I had True. root access and the yeah. routes were, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Uh, I actually sometimes get confused when you hear, like, um, maybe presentations from British people or mm-hmm. people in Europe, and they say, um, this is the routing we're going to go with. Mm-hmm. I'm like, routing? What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean routing yeah. from me, myself. I have to, like... So it's it's kind of become yeah. uh, a given convention, I think, in uh, in a lot of our speech. But yeah. uh, I think it definitely helps to have that. And I think standardizing, um, standardizing the language that we use across teams and in a company mm-hmm. is pretty important. So uh, we had a really busy week this week, not just with meetups, but with uh, community um, community activity, I'll say. Community activity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's some interesting things out there. Uh, so one of the things you wanted to talk about, and you did give a shout out of uh, for BetaKit, but what, what what is this all about? So for I went to uh, another meetup uh, later this week that I'll talk about, or earlier last week, and uh, someone was asking me about why are there so many like Vancouver Slacks now? Mm-hmm. Or why are people leaving the Slack dev, uh, the YVR dev Slack? And I think uh, the main reason or one of the things that started a sort of um, pop up of new dev Slacks mm-hmm. was that there was a COC implemented in the YVR dev Slack. And for people who don't know, COC, Code of Conduct, it's basically a document that outlines how the community should act if or when there's a problem. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of controversial which sounds funny. There's some people on there that are on the side of like, well, yeah, COC, it makes sense. There's some people that are on the side of like, well, COC, why did you do that? Why do you need rules now all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. So I think there's two extremes. And whenever people argue, they argue about the extremes. Like, is this going to quell jokes? Is this going to quell like what I normally, what I intended with something else? Like, is there going to be problems with people saying that, you know, you said this or you said that or people mm-hmm. saying I'm offended about stuff? Or is it going to, or is not having the COC going to let that stuff slide? So mm-hmm. there's like the both spectrums of things. And some people just said like, well, like I like the COC, so I'll stay. Some people said, I don't like the COC, so I'll just go. So, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people uh, were talking about and focused on the COC and mm-hmm. using that as in, you know, look at this. They're, they're good things. They're yeah. good rules. Um, in my case, I don't, I don't really, it wasn't really about the COC mm-hmm. at all, but it was more, uh, I guess that I'd thought of uh, YVR Dev as a community Slack, 
mm. uh, like a community resource. And it suddenly became apparent, you know, I, that I'd thought of it like this and I'd been using it like a community resource, like the Vancouver Public Library. Sure. And it became very apparent that that is just not what it is. There's a small group of people uh, maintaining this. And it maybe originally started uh, from Brewhouse for the for the Van Ruby mm -hmm. uh, meetup. And that's totally fine. It's just all of a sudden, wow, there's this small group of self-elected admins in this public resource. And then I realized, you know what? It's not a public resource. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I thought yeah, I can continue uh, the conversation with that or I can stop contributing to it sure. as a public resource. Mm -hmm. So what did I you decide to do? Uh, so, I, yeah, I decided to do that. And I also thought, you know, what would what would a community look like where everyone was an equal owner? Mm. Would that be possible? Is it is it ridiculous? Yeah. Because um, I kind of feel like that is a community. Mm. Everyone is an equal owner. Um, although we might not always feel like it. Uh, I think as a, a Vancouverite, I, I hope at least I'm an equal citizen and an equal owner of this city with mm. everybody else. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I, yeah, so I thought, what would that look like? Um, and something that came about from that is it seemed like there were a lot of other people that had a similar idea. Sure. Uh, and uh, anyway, so we set up this uh, a unified channel. Mm. We call it the Van Devs. And uh, we'll put a link, I guess, below yep, to, uh, to add a tunnel uh, to your Slack if you'd like to have it on there. Mm. We're totally open to that and kind of anyone who wants to participate and be part of that community to do so through that. And it kind of alleviates the... Uh, having a community channel for the community run by the community um, rather than necessarily a Slack where you have to sign up. Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. And yeah. so uh, how does that tunneling work? So what, is that, what does that mean? Well, it's cool. Uh, there's, a, there's a service, sameroom.io. I oh. definitely recommend them. They're awesome. And uh, thanks to them for sponsoring us as well. Uh, so they've given us a, a pro package and we get to use that for our, um, for our Slack. And uh, shout out to Same Room. So it lets you actually connect different Slacks together, right? Not just Slack. So the right. really cool thing about that is you could connect Skype, you could connect Hangouts, you could mm. connect HipChat. You know, so if you're if you're like, you know what, I like IRC. Why are you using Slack? What does Slack bring that IRC doesn't have? Use IRC and connect it to sure. to this channel. Yeah. Uh, hashtag Van Devs. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. So SameRoom.io is that little service there. Yeah. Cool. So thanks to them. Ready to do some meetups around town? Absolutely. Meetups around town. All right. So I had a busy week. Um, I had a very four busy events week too. this week. How about yourself? Well, I only got out to two events because I was busy doing other yeah. non-event stuff. Sure. I think every single day I had something after work that I went to. Not not always an event, but I was mm -hmm. very busy this week. But uh, that's cool. What did you uh, What did you get to? So the first thing I went to was uh, when disaster strikes. Oh yeah, I really wanted to go out to that, but I didn't make it. Uh, how was it? It was great. Uh, it was about what happens when things fail or how to create backups. It was mostly about backups, maybe not necessarily implementing them, mm -hmm. but a little bit about the history, like how people went from tape mm -hmm. and like these gigantic machines yeah. to like these racks of like, you know, super, super advanced hardware with like crazy storage capabilities. And Are how... people still using tapes? I guess there must still exist. Yeah, I think, I think mm -hmm. one of the big ta biggest tape users in the world is um, the uh, U.S. government for mm -hmm. the tax stuff. 
Oh wow! Yeah, they have like all these old records on on tape. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think there was um, something else about uh, they actually store they keep old computers mm-hmm. like they keep old hardware just in case. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well they have a floppy drive somewhere, they right. have a zip drive somewhere, they just have one? one of those. <laughs> well, I'm sure they have a lot of drives there, but they they want to make sure that this information, although it's stored on a weird medium that may be just a passing trend, mm-hmm. they want to be able to access it later. But the in this case these servers were just for like backup so mm-hmm. usually that was like well it's a 30 day or 60 day or a one year and they're talking about how different tools with like snapshots that you could use past snapshots to rebuild the actual state of your application mm-hmm. it was really cool the uh, second presentation was from matt who actually uh smashed a chromebook oh wow yeah he smashed a chromebook threw it in water not a chromebook pixel was it no no it was a 300 dollars <laughs> chromebook that was about three or four years old he said oh. he just got it some i know he got it i guess when they started coming out and mm-hmm. uh he actually smashed it threw it in the water mm-hmm. and because of the nature of the system that he was using from amazon it was some sort of like virtualized desktop thing that would mm-hmm. sync everything yeah he actually opened up a brand new chromebook mm-hmm. logged in and the computer once it synced it loaded up all of the applications he had open when he smashed the screen wow even the state, even the slide, because he was on a slide. He said, I'm on this slide, this slide 27, smashed the computer, threw it in the uh-huh. water, uh, loaded up the new computer, and it opens up a few seconds later, bam, tw- slide 27 opens. That's really interesting. Yeah. I was actually having a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, phones mm-hmm. and, you know, if you lose your phone or your phone breaks. Yeah. Um, and I and I was talking to someone and I was like, well, don't you, you know, don't you have anything that's important backed up? somewhere like yeah. you know i know if i lost my phone right now i wouldn't lose any of my contacts any of my pictures yeah. um i might lose game progression <laughs> yeah maybe it depends if you have an account depending on the game depends on the yeah. game but it seems like a lot of that would be lost what about photos what do you do for photos uh photos i have all on uh on google oh yeah you yeah. do this you turn on the sync and let just let it fly yeah yeah i sometimes just go on like throw some stuff on dropbox especially mm-hmm. like large videos not because yeah. i'm backing up necessarily i'm just bring up that storage well yeah i mean yeah. that's so there's yeah. the other thing is yeah. it frees up that storage i yeah. don't know how much space you have on your phone 32. but i only have um i think i have 64 oh, which wow. and honestly on my laptop i have 128 yeah which is the same, same. as yeah, uh, same. same as some people's phones yeah that's pretty amazing <laughs> yeah. um yeah that's cool the other uh thing that we both saw each other at was the implementing bdd by adam dimitrik yeah that was pretty awesome i thought anyway what did you think I thought it was really awesome. I mm-hmm. actually like, I didn't actually know the convention of given when then. Mm-hmm. I had seen um, some BDD tools. So PHP has about four mm-hmm. BDD frameworks. Um, and I'd seen them around, but I didn't really dive into the, like, how do you how do you start? It was sort of like looking at some code examples, maybe looking at some use cases of when it was used. Mm-hmm. But um, when I saw Adam's Adam's presentation, I was like, oh, I've seen this in PHP spec, yeah. and which is one of the tools where you just basically write out a story, mm-hmm. and it'll actually generate classes for you. Wow. And relationships as well, which That's is really cool. cool. So I was like, oh, man, yeah. that sounds sweet. But given when then mm-hmm. is this concept of given an event, when some state is there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then do this as well. Do this <laughs> event. So and then thinking about it that way was like, oh, great. I can take something that a customer said, which is like, you know, given we have a bunch of people, when they all try to book the same room, uh, we should give them an email saying that the room is booked or something. Right, right. Uh, something like that. So. That that story mode or mm-hmm. that story progression was something that I'd heard about but hadn't really seen laid out as nicely as Adam laid it out. He had mm-hmm. this great slide, which was like these four, three yellow boxes, given when, then, and mm-hmm. then these blue boxes saying these are things that happen inside of these different scenarios. Right. And like I, I actually can't wait to use it. I'm going to use it on our, on our next project that we just landed now because mm-hmm. it's translating something that the client wants to something the designer needs to make to something I need to build. So I'm going to use that sort of event system to sort of say, here are the different events that we need to, to need to support. Mm-hmm. I need designs for these events, yep. and then I need to build those events as well. Nice. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I really liked, uh, and I 
generally really like a lot of the things that uh, Adam has to say about development. He's had, I think, some great mentors mm. uh, like Greg Young. And uh, um, and I think now he's kind of coming into his time of being that great mentor for the community as well. One thing I liked about this meetup was we actually had like a really good discussion after mm -hmm. about BDD or like like the using BDD. It seemed like everyone kind of agreed using the convention mm -hmm. of BDD mm -hmm. was the easy part. The implementing is still really really difficult. Yeah, I think that's something. A lot of the um, a lot of these concepts they they sound really cool and they are, mm -hmm. but actually implementing them. I mean, getting um, getting a product manager or an owner mm -hmm. to sit down and write given when then. And to do it in a way that's meaningful, yeah, as well, um, is a huge change to sure. I think the the workflow and, and actually implementing that um, would cause a lot of overhead as well, right? Mm -hmm. So I think uh, an interesting thing there was: do you is it really an all or nothing thing? Is this um, you know is it akin to something like a, a rewrite for your code, or is it something that you know you can take a look at your system, um, your development mm -hmm. system? and slowly modularly start to change it and start to adopt these things. I think Adam's big opinion was um, even if you can't implement BDD like now, try mm -hmm. doing event storming, mm -hmm. which is like come up with all the events that they can do. User logs in, user logs out, user changes password, user changes username, all these different things, user changes account. You know, a, a hotel is booked, a hotel is unbooked, a hotel is mm -hmm. canceled, a hotel changes the date. And he said, come up with all these events. Yep. And if you, when you have all your events, you have an awesome snapshot of your system. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be a developer to come up with what are an, what's an event that this thing is going to use. You could right. be anyone off the street that comes in and says, yeah, you probably need a menu in there that shows something or a search mm -hmm. box. Mm -hmm. It's like anyone can contribute to that uh, conversation. Yeah. But yeah. The other thing I went to was the Code Core Demo Day. Yeah, so I also attended, but I attended virtually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were filming it. Yeah, yeah it, was it was really, really cool. cool. I was absolutely blown away by how much progress these people made in 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I, like, to be completely bluntly, I was a little bit skeptical about these, um, the sort of the boot camps, of course, because mm -hmm. I, I went to school for two years to learn sort of what I know. Right. You know, in the beginning, you know, five years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, you know what? Maybe. I mean, I expected it to be to be better than what I got at college. Mm -hmm. But this was like <laughs> like light years ahead yeah. of where <laughs> I was when I left college. Like these people were building like React Native apps. They're building like server side stuff. One guy built a scraper mm -hmm. for NHL. Uh, one guy built this coffee thing that would like to predict which coffee would be best fit you. It was it was like crazy. I was like, wow, yeah, this is I'm, amazing. I'm always surprised at uh, like how skeptical people can be. Mm. Twelve weeks is it is a fairly long time and it is a really short time at the same time. Mm -hmm. But um, if you put it this way, I think it makes a lot of sense. Imagine if you had your first job in development mm -hmm. and a senior developer came and sat with you for twelve weeks every single day and was like, here's how you do this. Yeah, you would ramp up so quickly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that's kind of what it's like. And yeah. so like teaching all of these concepts, going over them, having the support system in place, mm -hmm. uh, I think I think it's really cool. I mean, um, you're not going to become a senior developer in 12 weeks. That's no, for sure. But you would definitely but, kick someone like definitely you would score. You would school some people that came out of college. Use doing Absolutely. the same sort of course. This even, is too general. I mean, we even see people who have had years in mm -hmm. development go through boot camps and learn a ton mm -hmm. because uh, they might have been coming from a different uh, a different set of a uh, different system, different type of programming, yeah. even, um, you know, embedded systems programmer. How relevant is that to web development? Could mm -hmm. you learn it by yourself? Sure. 
why go through that? You yeah, know, why? it's painful. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you could learn uh, at least all of the concepts and touch upon all the concepts of web development, mm-hmm. um, and it's web development. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I went to was uh, last night, Friday night, that was the Wishpond Open House. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was actually a lot of overlap between the Code Core Demo Day and Wish, Wishpond Open House. So I saw Jason Tam at both those events, mm-hmm. as well as some of the speakers. So I got to speak to... Uh, some of the students there about their projects and uh, what they were doing next. So that's actually not too surprising. I would say uh, Wishpond has been a great company to have in Vancouver mm-hmm. as, you know, they do take responsibility to bring on uh, bring on juniors and to train them up. And I think that's uh, that's just an excellent resource to have. Yeah, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Always fun. What about yourself? You went to, uh, so how about the Code Core Demo Day virtual? What did you find about that? Or um, So a couple of things. One, I thought it was Really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, well filmed, and it was easy to see everything. Yeah. So whoever uh, whoever was behind the camera, good job on that one. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought was uh, I thought it was a little uh, a little odd that they chose to use um, Periscope, and I'm not sure exactly why. So maybe that's a good choice. Um, but what I've found recently, uh, I think the React uh, meetup not mm-hmm. too long ago uh, had live streaming on youtube sure um and i saw the uh um there was something with uh president obama um and some technology things in the in the south oh Um, south by southwest yeah that's the one Uh, that was also live streamed through youtube and i thought that was awesome yeah um so for me it's quite nitpicky but it was just a lot easier to to chromecast yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> from YouTube. Yeah, I mean, you could just jump on your phone and cut, throw it right to the TV. Yeah, with Periscope, I had to um, actually, I had to cast my whole screen, yeah. and that meant I had to run it on my phone as well mm-hmm. uh, the whole time. Yeah, and it's not so, as nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, let's jump into the week coming up. It's All pretty right. busy. Mm-hmm. All right, Monday, April 11th. Yeah, so we have Exploring Git. Uh, what's up with that? So exploring Git, the famous Adam Dimitrik telling you how to how to get things done. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, so this seems to be every single Monday, and um, the turnout has been pretty good. But uh, I really wonder where where are we going with this? Are we going to be building things? We talked about that. Like get a repo down, start to work on some things. So I'd like to do that uh, actually this Monday as we're um, at work. You know, we're kind of. Uh, we're Dockerizing our system, and we're looking into some uh, a CI workflow. Mm-hmm. And I think it might be a good time to go out there and to get some initial scripts uh, out there uh, and in a repo and sure. have some fun with that. So, is there is there a topic for this week? I mentioned you mentioned last week was hooks. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I think we might continue with that. We okay. didn't really. I, I don't know. I didn't go last week. Okay. So sure. Well, Adam <laughs> yeah. had a. I think he had double booked himself. <laughs> but uh, yeah. The next event here is the Vancouver Technology Leaders Meetup with the Fraud and Cybercrime. So we actually introduced these backwards. Um, that one's a, so it's seven thirty a.m. on Monday oh, okay. for you early risers. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's this Vancouver Technology Leaders. It's uh, I'm not sure where it is. It's members only, and the mm-hmm. sign up page is pretty interesting. You must sign up with LinkedIn and I think Twitter and a couple other things. To, but take a look at it uh, if you're going to be up at seven thirty. Yeah. And it also asks seniority. What's your seniority? Uh, And I think that's that's pretty interesting. Um, And it says, you know, each of the applications are reviewed. Uh, So it might be an interesting group um, and it might not be. So I I think for me, this was kind of a does it fit in with with us or not? And I think it kind of does, because what it says is Vancouver technology leaders. Sure. Um, Personally, uh, and I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't particularly like terms like leader uh, manager, mm-hmm. um, or anything that is assertion of authority over others. Sure. I just, I, I don't like it personally. Mm-hmm. 
What do you? What would you rather say? Or what's a better equal. term? Equal? An equal. Okay. So yeah. don't you just leave the term off? Yeah. Inviting I, people. I find it. You know, maybe years from now things mm. will will have changed a lot. Sure. But I find it to be uh, somewhat of an abusive term. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm actually hard at work at 7:30 a.m., so I don't have to miss that one. <laughs> That's right. You work yeah. uh, East Coast hours, don't you? Yes, I do, which is fun. Yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, so those are the two things that we have scheduled for Monday. I'm not yeah. going to go to the 7:30 a.m. one because yeah. uh, I'm a little lazy. Maybe for our new listeners, we should mention that we always link to all these events that we talk about, as well as their location, their time, and the actual meetup group itself. That's right. Uh, and if you are going to the Exploring Git, make sure to bring your laptop. Absolutely. Okay, Tuesday, April 12th. Open coffee. Yeah, so this is a, a good one to get up for, 8 a.m. Uh, mm-hmm. over at Nelson the Seagull, 315 yeah. Carroll Street. Um, would you bring your laptop to that, James? Uh, maybe. I think if you're on your way to work, you already have it. So Depends, yeah. yeah. Uh, some people might leave theirs at work, but uh, I don't know. I think I, I probably would because I'd want to talk code. That's yeah. that's what I would like to do there. Yeah. Uh, have some coffee and talk some code, but maybe not. Maybe I'd just have some coffee. I went to one of these on a rainy November morning mm-hmm. uh, last year, and it was pretty fun. Got There was about six people there. Mm-hmm. I talked to, talked to every single person. Yeah. talked to every single person, found exactly what they did. It was really cool. Nice. And there's also a lunch and learn. That mm-hmm. looks like it'll be pretty cool. Uh, I'd love to make it out to that. And I, I might suggest that maybe our team makes it out to that because it is a, uh, a lunch and learn with Jennifer Greenhorn, who is UX designer at Lush Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's something that is definitely worth looking into. That's over at BrainStation. It's a free event, but make sure to uh, register. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Is there anything about the details? It looks like you're going to learn about some products. You're going to learn about uh, co-design and inclusion, uh, learning about tools, learning about how UX works in a team. Uh, it's about 45-minute talk, so it's pretty quick. You can definitely go on your lunch and make it back in time. And if you're lucky, there might be uh, some Lush coupons mm. or something. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. The Closure Hack Night. Yeah, Closure Hack Night at uh, 6 p.m. over at CodeCore, 142 West Hastings. Make sure to bring your laptop to that and uh, have something closure to hack on. Cool. And this awesome event that everyone should go to, the PHP Meetup. So if you're at the Closure Hack Night, I guess you're already at the PHP Meetup. Yeah, we're actually in the same building at the same time. So uh, the way that CodeCore works, there's a bunch of different areas, and uh, mm-hmm. we're in that little presentation area that you might have seen on the uh, on the video from the demo day. Yeah, so this is interesting. The PHP Meetup, uh, you had one last month, and then this is the next one. So it was in hiatus for a long time because mm-hmm. nobody was really uh, running it. But you and uh, another Arthur. person's author? Arthur. Arthur yeah. uh, have been co-organizing it. Last time I went out to it, I thought, you know, uh, I don't do much in PHP, but um, maybe I'll learn something anyway. Maybe it'll be a good meetup. And I found it was very well organized. The pizza was good. The The group of people was great. Uh, there was talk about, um, I think we talked about Vagrant. We talked about Docker and then talked about some new stuff in PHP, PHP like the hash rocket. Yeah. Or the, the fat the, arrow. Um, I'm not sure what you call uh, it. It's the PHP. spaceship operator. The, oh, the That's spaceship it, yeah. operator. Yeah, there exactly. It's a way to do ternary operators like you do um, question mark, colon, whatever, mm-hmm. like inline if statements. You can do inline if statements that are have like greater than, equal than, mm-hmm. uh, or and stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Check That's it out. pretty interesting. I was actually uh, l- uh, listening to a different podcast 
uh, and they were talking about strictly adhering to some development principles. Sure. And this was in, in Ruby, and it was kind of uh, taking, I think, taking Sandy Metz's advice to an extreme. Sure. And one of the things they said was, we worked on this project where we really, really stuck to, you know, controllers uh, can only be at max five lines of code. Oh. And if you're do- and if you're writing an if statement, you can't use a ternary, so you can't use an inline mm. if statement. You can't use uh, a postfix, so you can't say, you know, um, do this if that, for example, oh. or unless that. Uh, and it also would always have to be if, and then, uh, so that, like, any if statement would take at least three lines, and if else would take your whole five. Were you allowed to uh, refactor an if statement into its own method on the controller? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ab- so you can keep those methods really tiny. The, yeah. Well, that was kind of the point, was yeah. to keep every method tiny. Yeah. Not but just uh, the a main actions you have, but the mm-hmm. whole, every function in the controller should be tiny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, because then it really, it reads like what it does, and it's yeah, exactly. a lot easier to follow, I think. Sure. Um, uh, just to hit on this one more time, uh, just a disclosure, I Sorry. am one of the co-organizers <laughs> of the PHP meetup, and uh, we have a couple of presentations going on. We have Arthur is talking about baby's first OSS contribution. Nice. So, uh, oh, that should be pretty Arthur awesome. is one of these guys who is like, uh, just sort of really getting into the community, and he was mm-hmm. sort of like thinking about, well, how do you contribute to open source? Mm-hmm. What what do you do? A lot of people out there don't contribute open source, but really, really want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always say the lowest hanging fruit is documentation. If you're mm-hmm. using the thing and you've used it before and you know how to use it. Tell everyone else because that's how really helpful. That's totally true. And I listen to this other podcast, uh, New Restation, which mm-hmm. I really recommend. And uh, he's always saying, you know, get out there and contribute, do mm-hmm. something, even if it's documentation, yeah. or just get out there and do something. And so I took the advice and I got a, a pull request in for some uh, the Rust operating system Redux Ooh. for that for documentation. Yeah. But uh, but it was it was great just to contribute to yeah. that. Yeah. You know? That's a line item on the resume for sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Vancouver Web Design. So that's over at uh, Kickstart at Vancouver International Village. For those of you who remember, um, I guess about a year ago, CodeCore was over at International Village as well, which mm-hmm. uh, that place is now a cat cafe. Cafe. Right. cafe. Check it out if you haven't been there. Yeah. Um, so Kickstart is just uh, just down the hall from there. Cool. And the event title is Top Marketing and Development Trends and, Making Mis- and Mistakes to Avoid. So I thought this one was cool because they're talking about how do you commit to something Mm -hmm. like how do you how do you research something or try to figure out what this thing is if this thing is going to work for you without like you know digging the hole too deep Um, which is actually something we talked about the bdd meetup as well as like how Mm. do you choose the appropriate tool for the thing you're going to make yeah it's kind of interesting um and uh i think even adam was saying like he didn't like the word tool used with with some uh of Mm -hmm. that like the bdd stuff Oh, I, so I, I wanted to ask, for Closure Hack Night, obviously you're going to bring your laptop. For the PHP meetup, I felt like last time um, it wasn't uh, a meetup where I would want to bring my laptop. You'd have what greasy you fingers from all that pizza. From all that pizza, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it wasn't necessary. I mean, if you're going to pull something out and, and ask someone something specifically, maybe during the networking time, yeah. uh, that would totally be appropriate. But it's, you you wouldn't need your, your laptop unless you're yeah. presenting. What about this one? What do you think? The Vancouver web design. It doesn't yeah. seem like it. It doesn't seem like a laptopy sort of event uh, at all. But it might be. So yeah. top marketing and development. Same kind of thing. I'd say you know if you have, uh, if maybe if you have your site or you have some design, and you want to mm-hmm. talk with somebody during the networking yeah. period. That would be fine. Otherwise, it looks like it's going to be a presentation. Cool. Let's go to Wednesday. Wednesday. All right. So the first event of the day is the Vancouver Plural Site Meetup. Vancouver Plural Site. So they have a lot of cool stuff happening. That's at the PNI Digital Media Offices. Have you been there? What is uh, PNI? I don't think so. We should go check this out. Yeah, this is the, I think, fourth iteration of building applications with React and Flux. Mm-hmm. So they're really hitting the React and Flux stuff hard. 
going at all that stuff, including the front end development stuff. So if you're maybe working with React on the front end in Flux, but you're not maybe that that serious or you didn't get that deep into the actual Browserify, Gulp, and Bootstrap stuff, they will cover all that Node stuff too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And then we have the Van Ruby meetup. And that's over at Brewhouse Software, 210 Carroll Street, uh, Suite 303. And that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. So if you go to the Plural site, you might be able to sneak over to the uh, Crawl Street for the Ruby meetup. Oh, yeah, maybe. I yeah. mean, it's uh, it's pretty close. It's a pretty chill meetup. So if you're a little bit late, that might be fine. I think you can just buzz up. Um, I definitely make sure to bring your laptop so you can hack on something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, be ready to have some fun with a, with a great group of people. Cool. Next thing on the list is the Learn, Learn. Data Science meetup. Yeah, so that's over at uh, SFU Harbor Center, 515 West Hastings. Uh, that should be a lot of fun as well. Have you been to any of these uh, uh, Learn Data Science meetups, James? No, I haven't. Have you? No, I haven't. Mm. So this is a, the Advanced Data Science Reading Group. Um, so you make sure to actually read the paper. Every time we've seen it, I thought, you know what? That looks awesome. I'm totally yeah. going to read that. And then I just haven't. Um, and that's... My bad for being lazy. The title of this meetup is actually Data Science Reading Group, Casual Impact and Bayesian Time Series. Yeah, uh, causal. Causal impact. Sorry, yeah, causal impact. Yeah, yeah that, that looks like that would be uh, awesome to read. So if you're reading these every week, then you're obviously getting a lot out of this reading group. And I think that's uh, it's a good thing to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we also have the uh, Learn, or sorry, Vancouver Pixel Crafters has a, a meetup scheduled at Mobify, a conversation about conversations. So this one, yeah, this one was weird. I think the title is probably not the best title in the world, but mm-hmm. it's actually about how do we, as a society or even as technical people, work with conversations. So this is actually a speak. The speaker is uh, is Stephanie who actually wrote a crazy long post on Medium. And I'll just read the tagline here. From WeChat to Messenger and Slack, our future is rapidly being colonized by social networks that effectively mean to function as operating systems. Mm -hmm. If this is our future, we will need the web more than ever. But it and they will have to evolve. So it's about how do we work with these evolving systems in our day-to-day lives? Or Mm -hmm. um, even I thought a cool tweet that she actually linked in here was uh, maybe... Maybe it is the fate of all large networks to become hated as part of the process of becoming infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So that was a cool conversation piece about, hey, what's going to happen with all these networks? How do we work with all this crazy stuff that we're inundated with every single day? So, yeah, it's a, it's sort of like a presentation in chat. Um, starts at 630 at Mobify. And that's uh, $10 for the tickets. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a link down below. Yeah, that, that should be pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a cool, uh, more philosophical take on some of the technology stuff. At first, I was, I was like, "Oh, is this your uh, doesn't belong? This this yes, meetup doesn't belong." Thing. But then funny. I looked at it and I thought, you know what? Maybe that really does belong. Yeah, they're yeah. asking for developers and designers and everyone to come in, so I thought it was really cool. Seems pretty interesting. All right, uh, and then Thursday we have uh, a few pretty awesome events as well. We've got the Vancouver International Tech Talent Meetup. That's over at Red Academy, fourteen ninety West Broadway. And uh, what's the best way to get there from the downtown core, James? Take your bicycle or your legs. Yeah, the weather's the been Bridge. awesome lately, yeah. hasn't it? So yeah, nice. Yeah, Hopefully oh, this one's actually that. the Vancouver International Tech Talent Meetup has. This is the Van Hack Meetup. Mm-hmm. It's part of the. It's on the international meetup, but oh, it's yeah. the Van Hack event. So this is the one that uh, Ilya, past guest Ilya Brodsky, talked about the Van Hack Meetup. Yeah. If you're interested in working with people remotely, checking out this cool Van Hack thing, 
Yeah, it'd be great. It's uh, really cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I was thinking as well, we should really try and make an effort to to make it out to some of the meetups that we haven't been to sure. in any given week, rather than just going to the the same ones all yeah. the time that we old faithfuls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. All right. Cool. And then the the machine learning meetup at Unbounce. Uh, Suite 400, 401 West Georgia Street. So pretty close to uh, the Vancouver Public Library mm-hmm. uh, as well. And that should be pretty awesome. Uh, what's that all about? And yeah, this one's been? called uh, Service-Oriented Data Pipelines mm-hmm. Plus Deep Learning and Convolutional Networks. Wow, sounds like some pretty deep topics to cover yeah. in I don't know how long it's going to be, but it should be pretty awesome. Yeah, it says it starts at 6. Yeah. Uh, and there's a couple talks. Uh, the first one is Introduction to Deep Learning for J, which is a, a tool for deep learning, mm-hmm. writing deep learning uh, software, and that's in Scala. Mm-hmm. And then they have another uh, topic to be announced, I think, as well. Wow, very cool. So it looks like this is uh, a couple of talks, one from Yasha Podeswa from Hootsuite, and one from Justin Long. Um, that should be pretty interesting. So deep learning in Scala and uh, building a service-oriented data pipeline. Yeah, it seems like Yasha is actually from Hootsuite, so it might be cool to hear some use cases of how they use that at Hootsuite. Yeah, what did I say? No, he's just saying that he works at Hootsuite, so he has some like insight oh. into how Hootsuite uses machine learning. Yeah, that should be pretty awesome. Cool. And then we have Code and Coffee, one of my favorite meetups. That one's 6.30. It's also at Mobify, mm-hmm. so uh, that's really close to Unbounce, too, actually. Oh, it's not that close, actually. It's, yeah. it's pretty close. It's you know, yeah. two blocks away. So. Yeah. yeah, that's not that far. But yeah, I, I don't find it that far. I don't know how fast you walk. I'm like a power walker whenever I get to these meetups. Yeah, I, I leave I like 20 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, 20 minutes to get anywhere in, in downtown Vancouver for me. Well, if it takes you 20 minutes to get from uh, from Unbounce to Mobify, then you're walking really yeah. slowly. Yeah, so this one's really cool. There's a couple of cool speakers this time. Gavin, mm-hmm. who actually was the one who introduced me to Varnish and Vagrant. Cool. He's talking about why not testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Macy, who's actually, t- uh, her talk is to be decided, or his talk. I'm not actually sure who Macy is. Yep. But then we have Abinya, who's talking about developers, web application firewalls. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Cool. So is that a laptop event? Uh, I think you would want to bring it. There is, um, the, with the Code and Coffee, the first set of, uh, the first half of the meetup is presentations, and mm-hmm. the second mm-hmm. half is networking. But sometimes there's demos too. So maybe there might be one in here. Maybe that TBD one has the demo in it. Yep. But bring it just in case. Like It doesn't really matter. There's lots of places to throw your stuff, and no one's going to touch it. Sounds so cool. pretty cool. And then we have this uh, next one coming up that I know you added in, and I guess this must be your um, – this is that one yeah. this week. This is my one that maybe it fits, question mark. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, something called the New Ventures BC – uh, it's a it's basically a competition for financing. Yeah. So this is not necessarily an event per se, although New Ventures BC has tons of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one actually is a deadline for their New Ventures BC 2016 uh, deadline for registration. Nice. So they have up to $300,000 in cash and prizes for people that want to pitch their idea. That sounds pretty awesome. So for those of you who uh, who don't know, um, about a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. I guess, um, HackerNest was going through a, a time, a transitionary period between uh, the people who were organizing it. They just got way too busy with their their life, their jobs, mm-hmm. their family. Um, and so they were looking for some new people to organize. And a few people in the community stepped up. So Charlene, the organizer of the Vancouver Financial Innovation Community, um, she was one of them who stepped up, and I really appreciated it. Uh, she also ended up getting a little too busy with uh, with her life and her, her sure. business um, to to be uh, to stay with it. But um, but she was great, and so I, I hope to make it out to this event and to catch up with her. Cool. Yeah. And that's actually a deadline. The deadline is April 14th. I think I said Saturday, but I'm not really sure why I did that. But that's actually April 14th at at 11:45 p.m. So not quite midnight. Make sure you get your registration in there and uh, submit your proposal or your uh, idea. 
There's six rounds, actually. Round one is just sort of a general idea of what your idea is. So, you know, try it out and see if you can make it around six. Get mm-hmm. that money. And I guess that's it for this, this week. week. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> and we're here with Tim Abdullah from Rise. Thanks for being here, Tim. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So why don't we start, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into development and, uh, and Rise. How I got into development. I started software development. I guess it wasn't really development. I started programming as a kid, as a hobby, uh, when I was decently young. Cut my teeth on uh, VB6 and JavaScript when I was about 9 or 10 years old. Um, and then as a teenager, started writing a lot of Python. I was actually somewhat involved in the Wikimedia uh, community, and I was writing a lot of tools for that um, when I was in high school. Oh, cool. What sort of tools would you write for uh, the Wikimedia? Uh, I wrote an IRC bot uh, for the tool server IRC channel. I wrote the one thing which I used, which was somewhat relied on, was a tool called the Article Contribution Counter, which would basically let you see how much each individual editor contributed to the substance of an article. And that was useful for like copyright stuff and so forth. Yeah. So that was fun. And then, uh, yeah, before that, uh, before Rise, I was working at a company called Pixie out of Toronto, uh, writing some PHP. Which was fun. Sweet. Um, <laughs> and yeah, now I'm now doing Rise. Cool. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Rise or how you how you founded Rise. Uh, Rise actually founded with my uh, brother and my father. Uh, I was doing Pixie at the time, and I was kind of in school part time, and I was looking to make a bit of a move. I was living in Montreal at that point, and I kind of wanted to get back to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And so the timing worked out well because they sort of hatched the initial idea for, it, and they're like. But we need a developer. And I was like, <laughs> cool, well, I'll come back. Yeah. Uh, and it was a really good decision in retrospect. Um, yeah, it was a, a lot of hard work, certainly, and a, and a lot of stumbles along the way. And obviously, if you followed Rise at all, formerly Pay Savvy, the vision has evolved quite a bit over the years. But it's mm-hmm. uh, it's been a really cool experience. So how long has Rise been around? Uh, about four and a half years now, which mm-hmm. is pretty crazy to think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How's, uh, I know that, I mean, you mentioned that, uh, you know, working with your dad and your brother, uh, a lot of the time you hear about working with family, not being, uh, you know, ponies and rainbows, working with family can be pretty difficult. Can you talk a little bit about how that, how that sort of came about? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think that adage is, is pretty true in a lot of senses. I think one of the difficulties working with family, and I think it's true of a lot of very close relationships is, you're probably more likely to, you know, get angry with each other or say things you wouldn't necessarily say to somebody else who's just a friend. I mean, it's the same thing. You go to a family dinner and you get some explosive political argument and people get really upset with each other. Sure. But like, you know, you go for beers with a friend and maybe you disagree over politics, but it doesn't end at you lunging each other's throats, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, so, I mean, think about that on a small scale and you have a lot of tough yeah. business decisions and very often it just kind of descends into places you don't want to go. Um, sure. I think... One thing that's worked well is as the company has grown, you know, we each have our own very defined roles. Mm -hmm. um, And there's a lot of other senior leadership now Mm -hmm. that kind of acts as a force against any sort of hysterics. Yeah. So, so when you first started out, um, was it, it was called Paid paid Savvy? Paid Savvy, that's right. And was it just the three of you? Yeah, it was just the three of us initially. Wow. Wow. And how how long until you uh, hired someone on? I think, I'm trying to remember now. So... We, the first developer that we brought on, uh, we only brought him on for the summer. He was my friend from McGill, mm-hmm. uh, a guy named Benson. And I think that might have been the first other human we brought on. <laughs> Although maybe there was a support person before that. It's kind of hard to reconstruct the timeline yeah. now. 
But just like in terms of growth, I mean, now we're sitting at around 60 people, whereas in January of last year, I think we're at 15. Um, So a lot of the growth has really come, especially in the past year. Wow, that's amazing. So what what, uh, skills did your brother and your dad bring to the table when you were working together? So you're doing a lot of the development or probably all the development? Well, we have, uh, I think, full-time and contractors, probably like 10 or 11 developers now. So you Uh, manage that side of the thing? Yeah, I still do quite a bit of development myself. I mean, I've kind of tried to have... I've had to pull back a little bit in the sense yeah. that I overcommit. Um, but it's just, it's crazy how many meetings there are. Sure. Uh, and I have to absorb all that. Yeah. Um, I forgot what the initial question so, was. So uh, your dad uh, and your brother, uh, what skills were they bringing with uh, when you brought the development skill? Uh, yeah. So my brother is uh, a marketing and, and sales guy. He knows mm-hmm. that stuff super thoroughly. And I think my dad brought a lot of the, the discipline and rigor that we needed, especially sure. at the early stage. I mean, when we started, I was 19 years old. Yeah. Um, so it Whipping was... Whipping you kids into shape. Yeah. I mean, seriously, <laughs> yeah. yes. Uh, a real thing. And, yeah. you know, I think that just having a, a big tendency to get distracted by the latest shiny things, I think my mm-hmm. dad brought a lot of a lot of focus there. That's cool. That sounds pretty cool. So um, how do you how do you keep the culture, I guess, at rise Uh and does it, does it sometimes uh, feel like an extended family or does it sometimes feel like your family uh, and working with family is better for or worse for the culture? Or how do you balance that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think that largely it doesn't feel like a, a family business in the sense that there are, like, it's not ruled by like, like the family, like oligarchs necessarily. It's, mm-hmm. you know, very much like a lot of defined leadership positions. Like we have like four VPs now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that lends it, you know, a real sense of legitimacy, but I think like in terms of your broader question about culture, I think one thing I really like about working about R- at rise is like everybody really, really likes each other. And mm-hmm. I mean that in a genuine sense. And I mm-hmm. think part of building a great culture is making sure that you only hire people that you actually like on a personal level. Right. And that doesn't mean that they have to look like you, or maybe it doesn't even mean you have to want to hang out with them on the weekends, mm-hmm. but like you should at least like find them pleasant to be around. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and it just goes back to that thing. Yeah. Like you never want to hire like the brilliant asshole because mm-hmm. though that person themselves may be very productive, they're going to bring down the morale of everyone around them. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody right. likes working with difficult people yeah. Or defensive people, and it, it's just it actually acts as a, a divider on the team. I think. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a difference between being difficult and advocating for maybe some other side of an argument? So a lot of the times, um, at least I know with developers, they're very opinionated about a per- particular topic. Whether that's you know we need to use this tool, we need to use this framework, or we need to set it up and design it in this way. Mm-hmm. It's because they usually got burned in the past or something, or they got you know they really think that this is the right tool. How do you balance that type of stuff when you have those type of arguments? Where are they being an asshole, or are they actually trying to like make everyone better or, or move the project along? That's a super good question. Um, I think one thing that I very deliberately tried to encourage at Rise is always question the status quo. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not allowed to swear, but if you've ever been to the Rise office, there's a sign that says. F the status quo, uh, <laughs> right by all the developers. And sure. just for what you were saying, I mean, I don't want anybody to ever be in a situation where they feel like this came before me and thus it deserves my respect or it deserves to be venerated because of that, because mm-hmm. it doesn't. Okay. You should always be in a mode in which you're challenging what other people are doing, what you yourself are doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I never try and make any decisions by fiat. Like, this is what I think we're going to do. So, like, right. let's do it. Um, going back to your original question, I mean, we get in arguments all the time. Like yeah. pretty much like it's a daily occurrence. And I see that as actually a sign of health mm-hmm. at the point at which people are afraid to enter into conflict. You're going to, you're going to stagnate. Yeah. Right. But there's a, a difference between 
having arguments and just being really difficult. And I think that just mm -hmm. comes from stubbornness, right? Like there's sure, certain sure. people who will never yield. And like at some point, like you may not get consensus, but you also need to move along as a group and mm -hmm. return back to your happy default state. So there's right. decisions that have been made where I've just been like overruled essentially by the feelings of the group. And I'm not going to sit and sulk for a day, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get angry at people. I'm like, all right, well, if that's what everybody thinks, you know, yeah. I'm probably wrong. Um, sure. So I think it's it's mostly having that capacity to be like, you know what, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think difficult people, you know, they have strong opinions, but they lack the capacity to be like, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. you know? Sure. I think yeah. that's a really, uh, really interesting point that you make. And I really like it. Um, I, I think as developers, uh, it's kind of our responsibility, but it's also something we're allowed to do and should be allowed to do um, is when we look at, you know, how code was developed or or anything, right? How an idea was developed or conventions that we have, we look at it and we say, is this really better? Why? Um, something that uh, actually Adam brought up at the, the um, meetup the other night, mm -hmm. Adam was the guy who heckled you horribly during your <laughs> presentation on microservices, by the way. But something that he brought up was... Uh, um, you know, start with the smallest thing, you know, and if you're going to be adding something, have a good or compelling reason to do so. Yeah. I think this is kind of the same thing. Question it. Why are we doing this? Why are we making this decision? Is this the right decision? And I think, uh, like, fortunately, as developers or, you know, in, in sciences, we have ideas that generally are testable and mm. provable. So rather than say, you know, this is the way because I feel it, mm -hmm. we can say, okay, well, well, what does that look like? And if you have enough, um, if you have enough time and resources, you could actually develop multiple systems uh, or multiple sure. ways uh, of doing things and do things like a Find testing or yeah. I think uh, there's another concept of the devil's advocate being the person or the maybe the devil's advocate idea being mm -hmm. the thing that solidifies and helps everyone make a decision. Because if there's not that person to say like why, mm -hmm. why, why, that's annoying and people hate it. But at the same time, you're forced justifications, but you're mm -hmm. also forced like thinking processes. So if someone says like, why use that tool? Mm -hmm. Aren't there these problems? And they say, well, no, that was, that was an old version or that yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Or they're, they're, they're forced to be expl expletive about why that decision mm -hmm. is being made versus just making it in a vacuum. Well, maybe also, um, people who hate the question why, mm -hmm. maybe they're not the right type of person for <laughs> sure. this type of team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that's very true. And I mean, I think, that especially comes up in like things like code reviews. I mm -hmm. mean, you have to learn not to be defensive. If someone's like, right. why did you do this this way? Or like, did you not think about doing it this way? That's not like, I hate you and I think you're a bad programmer. <laughs> yeah. That's like, this is my external perspective. I haven't seen this code before, but like maybe you can think about it this way. And I think mm -hmm. it's important to divorce yourself from what you have written and, and who you are as programmer because everybody writes bad code. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a fact of life. And the yeah. reason that we have code review for every single person on the team, like no one has God status and is exempt from code review mm -hmm. purely because you're going to make mistakes. You're human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's super important too, is, is not to, mm -hmm. not to sulk when, when receiving feedback. Someone yeah. said something once and I, I either heard it or I read it or something and it just really resonated with me. Uh, and it was something like, you know, if you ever look back at code that you've written and you're like, yeah, I really, you know, that's some really good code. You peaked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I don't know how often I look back yeah. at something and I'm like, wow, I would not write <laughs> yeah. it this way now. Oh, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it comes back to like, there's an extension of that. Like if you don't look back at something you've done in like the past week or month, like I was wrong when I made that mm -hmm. decision, right. then you're you're just, you're too confident in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. This is like, I look at code I wrote in November. I'm like, oh man, like, yeah. what was I thinking? You know? And right. it's just 
part of it's just the benefit of perspective, like being mm -hmm. removed from something, you sure. see it in a fresh way and you think about it differently. But yeah, I mean, I think narcissism is, is very much your enemy <laughs> in this profession. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that sounds pretty cool. It sounds like uh, Rise has a pretty good culture. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the tech stack and how, mm. how you chose yeah. it or how it came about to, uh, as, as the stack. Sure. Uh, so our tech stack is not very complex. Um, when I left uh, Pixie to start working on Rise, I wrote some of the original code in PHP. Mm -hmm. um, and then I decided that I wanted to learn Ruby. It was very in vogue at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, everything we have generally is, is built on Rails. Uh, we've got a microservices architecture. Actually, I, I'm not really liking the term microservice anymore. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that. We have an <laughs> architecture that comprises many communicating components. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. And they're not actually very micro. Um, mm -hmm. So we have, I think, uh, three three Rails services, and we have a, a Node.js service, which we call our gateway. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have uh, Angular on the front end. So it's a bunch of um, Rails services which serve up uh, RESTful APIs using the JSONAPI.org standard. Nice. Uh, everything is Dockerized, uh, deployed on Elastic Container Service on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, even our front end build, uh, we do it in a Docker container, so it's kind of turtles all the way down. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're big proponents of, of Docker. I don't think we necessarily talked about what PaySavvy does and what Rise does now. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about how that how they actually work and what they do so we can figure out, okay, well, that's why they're using those tools. Sure. Uh, I think, so what Rise does, PaySavvy started as a, a payroll company, mm -hmm. uh, and Rise is sort of the evolution of that vision. I think that when we started out, we sought to redress a problem we saw in the industry, which was a lot of really terrible tools that people sure. are using for payroll. I mean, there's big giants like ADP and Ceridian. I'm sure that anybody listening to this has been paid by them at least once in their career. I think collectively they pay 6 million Canadians. That could wow. be wrong, but they're, they're very large corporations. Mm -hmm. ADP is in like 180 countries, mm -hmm. uh, but their software is it's really terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that was kind of our, our, our first motivation. And the business, as we talked to customers, uh, we sort of realized that there was a broader shift occurring. And it's actually very related to the kind of things I was talking about before, which is that <clears throat> we're kind of in a, in a big shift, economically speaking, in that more and more businesses are built on their people, right? Like mm -hmm. if you work in a factory, let's say, I mean, your job is almost designed to be eminently replaceable. Like by design, like if you quit, it's like, okay, we'll teach this one other person, this basic set of skills so they can be on an assembly line. Well, it really depends on the job, I think. I went to a, a factory in, I think, 2005 in, uh, in Denmark, and I was surprised. There were like, you know, it was a huge area. There right. were maybe three people in the whole place, and there were just, you know, robots doing everything. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They become mechanical engineers or running the factories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like labor, labor specific mm -hmm. skills. Yeah. I, mean, I think that speaks to kind of what I was saying is that there's right. more and more a shift where companies are, are built on knowledge workers. Mm -hmm. And I think what Rise is trying to do is to build an HR platform for companies that recognize the importance of culture in today's economy. Mm -hmm. So right now, I mean, your biggest challenge to building a successful company, in my opinion, besides even having the right ideas is having the best people mm -hmm. because you can have the best ideas in the world, but if your people aren't great, if you're not attracting and retaining and enabling those people to do their best work, mm -hmm. 
then you're not going to be able to produce anything of value. So this is something I've actually pondered for years and years and years. Um, we have in tech, definitely we're seeing that, you know, finding the right people is super hard. Like this is a really hard thing. But I, but what I've pondered for years and years is how do companies like McDonald's exist where they're taking, you know, young people, maybe inexperienced 15 year olds that are running the company? How does that work? It's called the franchise model. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. And <laughs> and so also I think something uh, that addresses maybe uh, what Tim's saying is that's not really the model of the future, is it? Because mm. these types of things, the the whole that type of worker even is something that's vastly becoming automatable. And maybe that's a sign. If it was something in the past um, that now is automatable, um, then that was something you could franchise and you could say, yeah. you know, this is a replaceable person. This is a replaceable job. This is what that job is. Mm -hmm. Whereas now we're finding all of these irreplaceable sort of people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or at least very difficult to lose. I mean, mm -hmm. if I lost any one of the engineers on my team, I'd be pretty distraught. Yeah. Uh, not to mention the time it would take to find a good engineer, as you yeah. mentioned, that can be many months before you fill. Mm -hmm. A role to your liking. Mm -hmm. um, I just had a well, guy leave and I had to hire a new guy, but I couldn't find someone with the same skill set as him. He was in demand. So that actually falls into something that I was thinking, which was, you know, when you're hiring someone, um, I, I think maybe design of your company as well should not necessarily be a waterfall process where you're saying, you know, we started this company to do this one thing and we're not going to pivot ever. We're not going to change ever. And these are the roles that we need forever. And what we're actually doing is taking on a person and that person comes with their uniqueness and their unique sets of skills, and they'll help to shape that company mm. in their unique way. So I, I think we feel it a lot in, I'm on a small team right now, there's 10 of us, mm. uh, we're doing a startup, and you know we can feel that every person's signature is on kind of everything. Absolutely. Um, and that's, I think, a culture that you want to nourish. I think you're sort of saying Absolutely. that you can, you can use these people to, Instead of using the company makes the people, the people make the company. Yeah, like it shouldn't. The company shouldn't be a uh, a blanket like moral and 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 public code that gets applied to everyone that works there. It should be mm -hmm. the opposite around. The mm -hmm. people there make the moral code of the company or the how the company operates. Certainly, and and I think that's something I, I really stress at, at Rise as well is making sure that our ideas and our principles and our values are co-authored by everybody at the company. Right? It can't mm -hmm. just be one person saying, you know, like. I'm the CEO and like, this is how we're going to do things because that's what I say. You know, I think that if you're hiring really smart people and the most important thing you can do is listen to them, right? That's mm -hmm. why you hired them because you're smart. They're smart and you respect them. Mm -hmm. And if you're just going to hire them and not listen to what they say, like you're, <laughs> you're ignoring one of your most valuable assets. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're losing that pay. You're losing that salary. You're just wasting yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was so, thinking that uh, maybe you could talk about who's a who's a client that if someone there's someone out there listening that says oh Rise sounds cool I want to use that what services can Rise provide anyone that's listening out there right now? Yeah, so I mean obviously we do payroll. Uh, what we've been working on recently is our people and culture platform. So it's essentially we describe it as kind of like an HR platform for companies that think culture is very important. So it does a lot of the HR things that an HR professional would need to do. Mm -hmm. So like reporting and, and tracking employee data, et cetera. But it also helps companies to instill their core values in their people. We're working on a lot of cool stuff right now around recognition, around entrenching the kind of values that we were talking about, um, and making sure that everybody's on the same page as, as to where the company's going. Cool. That um, sounds really cool. And we have a, um, a ton of, of local tech companies in Vancouver as clients, um, see unbounce is a client and and clio and and bench and i mean there's a lot yeah um 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. So um, Bench, if I remember correctly, uh, I believe they started out with also dealing with Canadian companies. And at some point they were just like, you know what? It's too much. It's too much to go through. There are too many hoops to jump through. And they, I think they just shifted their whole business to the States. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm super good friends with uh, mm-hmm. some of the founders of Bench. So I'm kind of pretty familiar with their story. And yeah, that is exactly right. They stopped dealing with Canadian customers. I think just partially, I mean, I, I don't want to speak to it too much because I don't sure. know 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure it was just a, a function of trying to train bookkeepers to work with two systems which are different and it's just like not really worth the effort ultimately unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah. i see okay so what about with uh with rise do you have uh, a customer base in the states as well or so we're just starting our mm-hmm. our u.s expansion this quarter mm-hmm. uh as of right now all of our customers are canadian wow. and uh our goal this quarter is to bring on a, a certain number of u.s clients and uh, we're especially trying to get clients that have recognizable names as, uh-huh. a, as a way to break into the market. That's really cool. What about uh, internationalization and going you know, uh, to non-English speaking countries? Mm. That's not on the radar at this point. I, I think that um, one thing I've, I've learned over the years is just how important focus is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a million great ideas, like it would be really cool to go to international markets. But there's only so much that you can do well at once, right? Mm-hmm. And like for me, I'm kind of stupid, so it's just one thing. Um, <laughs> do you think that uh, that's why those companies have such terrible stuff? Is that because they probably spread too thin across way too many, way too many countries, way too many use cases? Do you think that's one of the reasons why these bigger companies might have stuff that's you know quote unquote junk or whatever? I I, I love this discussion because <laughs> I mean it, it comes up all the time. It's like how. Can you, a 60-person startup, compete against this company that has like six billion dollars in revenue? Right? Like, mm-hmm. why don't why they could just hire 60 people and copy what you've done? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think that it comes down to a few things. One, I, I don't think for a lot of these companies that it's it's embedded in their corporate DNA to actually care about the product they make. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have the right people in the right positions to be trying to amplify the position that you know we need to really care about what we're making. We need to hire the right designers and the right developers and really make a great product. And two, I think that there's just a lot of conservatism, right? Like mm-hmm. this is a business strategy is working. I think it's it's hard to be a renegade at a big company mm-hmm. because you're going up against what makes that company successful, right? Like they're already like, we're already doing well. Like why are you trying yeah. to change or, things? Or, or maybe yeah. what made that company yeah, successful exactly, in the yeah. past. And yeah. I, I think we're seeing that really uh, a lot in a lot of different industries, a lot of different areas right now. Is that now that uh, I think collectively as a society we've gotten a lot more intelligent, we've gotten a lot more communicative, um, and exactly like you were saying, we're starting to really uh, realize that culture and and people. That's the asset of a company, um, not just the product that's being made, but that, that culture and that, those people. And uh, that wasn't the way it was in the past. So mm-hmm. things that are you know, currently the status quo, I think your, your sign uh, states that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I think like it's interesting. Like let's say like ADP, like one of the big competitors I sure. mentioned earlier, decides one day like, you know what, we're going to be a design focused company. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. how many of your, I don't even know how many employees they have. Let's say 100,000. How many of the 100,000 employees you have do you need to replace to start instilling that? Because there are going to be a lot of people who disagree with that, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, as a company gets larger, it becomes increasingly hard to change the direction of that company. Like the people Mm -hmm. that we have now, the 60 people and their core beliefs, the next 100 we bring on, they're going to transmit those beliefs to them. And at some point, you have a lot of people who hopefully believe the same thing. But then to come in one day and be like, actually, guys, 
we're all going to believe something else now. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, like I, why would I, you know? Yeah. Some, yeah. somebody said something, uh, about a company and I can't think of which company it was, but they have this rule that none of their locations, like none of their offices, none of their teams can be larger than 150. So if oh, it wow. becomes like 150, then, then you hire another person. Then you look at where can we separate this into, oh, into different cool. teams. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. And it's kind of to keep that culture, to keep that yeah. sort of, um, ability, I think, to move modularly and move quickly and to iterate. Isn't there that saying about like a, the size of a village? Mm-hmm. Like you can only reach a certain size or the number of close friends you can have can yeah. only reach a certain size before you just sort of like mm-hmm. everyone disappears. And I think the number's around 150 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's probably some real some real strength behind choosing a number like 150 or that size. There's, there's probably a good reason. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, making that team awesome. But it sounds like you're talking about the challenge of momentum. Mm-hmm. Momentum is the thing that can be awesome. It can cause you to grow really big, but it can cause the, the ability to pivot to shrink or yes. the ability to change what you what you think is a core value. I think we see that with someone to use a Canadian example, like Blackberry, like they stuck on this trail and everyone else was sort of diversifying and changing and moving away. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, oh, damn, we need to switch. We need to get we need to get here. We need to move here. And it was just a little bit too little, a little too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we see that, too. But um, it doesn't sound like it sounds like Rise is one of those companies saying we're, we're offering what people are asking for. We're trying to build what people want and people are asking for us to do where you're going from pay savvy and now exploring more services and giving people more value for what they're getting from from Rise. Yeah, I mean, it. I... It's very easy for us to do that at this scale because it's it is quite easy to change the direction, right? Like mm-hmm. I we can think one thing like a week ago and be like, now nah, that's completely wrong. Like now we're gonna do this and get ready on board very quickly. Um, but I think what's important for us as we're building the company is to instill that value of always challenging the status quo. And I think that as we grow, that's gonna be important to try and retain that agility mm-hmm. um, so that people don't unquestioningly buy into the way things are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit about Rise uh, hiring. What sort of positions are you looking for? Who would people talk to if they're interested? Uh, good question. Let's see. We are <laughs> hiring for uh, developers always, um, front end and back end. Um, I think uh, as, as a small pitch, it's a super awesome place to work. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, from my very, very unbiased perspective. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, but, I, I know a few people. Uh, I know a few people there, and all of them I would consider to be quite awesome. Yeah, cool. so. people are awesome. Uh, there's a huge emphasis on quality and craftsmanship. Uh, we do really interesting work, I think. Um, and yeah, so if you if you're looking to to join the tech staff. Uh, I would be a good person to reach out to. Okay. Uh, email me, uh, Tim at Raz.xyz, uh, nice. or you could tweet at me, or you just come to my house. Um, <laughs> other positions, I mean, we're, we're hiring uh, in a lot of departments across the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rise.xyz slash careers, I believe, would be a, a good place to look. Yeah, I'm peeking at it right now. Yeah. Looks pretty cool. Do you have any events coming up? I noticed that there was some, we had, a, there was a Hacker Nest at, uh, at the Rise, the mm-hmm. new Rise space. Yep. Uh, so, Another interesting community announcement is that we have an office that is far too large for our current needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're repurposing half of it as kind of an event space. And it's been really good. We've had a, a lot of momentum with that. I, I think in March, we had like four or five fairly large events. Mm-hmm. Um, and we definitely have stuff coming up, but I just can't remember what it is necessarily. Right. And yeah. so even at even at half, that's still a huge space. I mean, you could easily get a few hundred people in there. Yeah, we had an event uh, called Disrupt HR, and it was massive. I think there was probably like 
400 people at our office, mm -hmm. uh, which is the most nice. people I've ever seen in there by far. <laughs> uh, and that was really cool. And I know we have some sort of like iOS developers meetup or something. Our, our community manager normally facilitates this. So if somebody uh, had an upcoming meetup and they were looking for some space, uh, who would they reach out to? Uh, I think your best bet is probably to reach out to uh, Sydney Goodfellow. Uh, she is our lovely community manager. Uh, hopefully she doesn't uh, hate me for giving out her email here, but uh, <laughs> sydneyg at rise.xyz. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm, well, actually, uh, I'm actually looking at your blog, and it looks like you guys are pretty consistent. Almost every single day you have a blog post about like running your company, doing HR stuff. How do you what, – what Rise is doing. It sounds like it would be a great place to learn more about Rise or even just how you, Rise can help you or – maybe mistakes you can avoid, but uh, like there's one about interviewing techniques and stuff like that. So it sounds like it's a good resource. Yeah. And if anybody's interested to, uh, you can check out, we have this other publication uh, called hrisdead.com. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of really awesome interviews coming up. Uh, we got um, interviews with like the chief employee experience officer of Airbnb, Jason Freed of Basecamp. Uh, we've got interviews with the folks from Buffer. Uh, so we're doing an entire publication just about the way in which companies are changing. Mm -hmm. cool. Well, that sounds really awesome. We'll make sure to check it out and hopefully see you at some of the meetups around town. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Right, thanks, thanks for being on. Thanks for listening to another episode of VancouverTechPodcast.ca. That's our site. You can actually email us too at show at VancouverTechPodcast.ca. Or find us in the YVR Dev Slack. I'm at Drew. I'm at James. We're almost always online. You can actually get an invite to YVR Dev Slack if you haven't got one already at yvrdev.herokuapp.com. See you there. Bye.